The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You're listening to Wrestling to the Max. Alert, alert, clear all channels. This is an exclusive. How you like that? Hello and welcome to a special Wrestling to the Max Extra where we will be reviewing New Year Dash. Uh, since that technically happened still earlier this morning here in the United States. And uh, Harry Broadhurst is here. What's up, Sean? And he is here uh, also to give thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom along with me because I stupidly fell asleep uh, watching it and so did not get to be on the W2M uh, episode where they Paul and Gary reviewed it, but Paul is also here. Woo! So, Paul will, you'll get to hear his thoughts again, and you know, hey, maybe we'll get into different discussion than he and Gary didn't have, and you'll get to have new thoughts as well as, you know, all of our new thoughts on uh, New Year Dash, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, Excited to hear what Gary has to say on Monday for some of the stuff because I know he, uh, you know, you were, you mess. I got a message early this morning about Gary in a wet dream. So, you know, there's you know, be- uh, <laughs> we we dubbed Omega and Jericho instead of hashtag Alpha Omega hashtag aroused. I can only imagine what Naito Jericho is going to be for Mr. Gary Vaughn. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, I- go ahead. I, f- I feel like we're just getting started, and the and the boundaries of common decency have already been violated. They uh they weren't gonna last long. Uh. No. <laughs> they were not, and I'm sure he will also be very uh, aroused by that elite show and yo and cheeseburger mess as well. I I, uh, I can just see him having a ball with that. But all right, before we get. Before we get into New Year Dash, I guess since it's technically in order, uh, let's we're not going to run down the card here because I feel like it's redundant. Uh, since you know Paul and Gary did a wonderful job already, and you know you guys, if you didn't hear it before, uh, you know you had an extra day to hear it by now. So let's just kind of discuss things uh, as results and just you know we can still give thoughts on the match especially harry this is kind of his he's you know harry and i did a wrestle kingdom before on a wrestling unwrapped uh way back in the day but this is kind of harry's like i'm getting in maybe 
and uh, giving it a shot. And so he has an interesting perspective as a guy that's not been watching in a long time like Paul and I have. So it's interesting to hear his his thoughts here. So, you know, this this IWGP Junior Tag Team title match, I think it it went as we expected, Paul. I mean, mm-hmm. Young Bucks win. You kind of knew that, but I was really surprised at how good it was. And just uh, I thought Rapongi 3K were, were tremendous in this. They held their own as well, like showing that they can compete with Young Bucks. It, it wasn't... Uh, you know, Young Bucks just owning everything, and uh, Rocky played his part as well, which uh, I thought was important. And it's expected, but still, uh, I think one of the better matches on the show. There's a lot of great stuff in this, and, and once again, if you if you've been a longtime watcher, then some of this might be familiar to you because they uh, they pulled out a lot of callbacks to Rapogny Vice's feud with uh, the Young Bucks last year with all the back spots and everything like that as well as uh, Rapogny 3K even busting out some old uh, Rapogny Vice moves and some uh, Forever Hooligans moves as well, which I thought was uh, a nice touch. And to me, this you know people who are still bagging on the Young Bucks for doing what they do clearly don't watch them enough in Japan because while they do still do a lot of the stuff they normally do, I think they're so much better at storytelling than they used to be in matches, and I thought this was a great example of that. And honest to God, it, it opens up the ma- like this had to happen, as Sean said, because Rapogny 3K they've run through everybody else in the division already, right? They they won the junior heavyweight tag team tournament. They beat uh, Funky Future uh, for the championships. Like they've beaten pretty much everybody that matters except the Young Bucks. So now you have a feud going forward for these guys to work with. And uh, you have a lot of different match varieties because we still haven't got to see them go all crazy flippy yet. It's just been very, very cerebral stuff in this match, which I, th- I really enjoyed. I thought this got the their show off, the, the main show off, at least to, to the right start. Harry, I, I know you've watched ROH to see these guys, the, the Tempura boys and everything, but how do you like showing Yo here, seeing them uh, against Young Bucks? Honestly, I can't say that I've really seen a whole lot of them as the Tempora Boys. As uh, my Ring of Honor watching as of late has been kind of hit and miss. That being said here, much the same way Paul just said there, it's a definite weird. there's a definite weirdness to seeing the Young Bucks wrestle this style of match if you're not used to them wrestling this style of match. Mm-hmm. It's a much more cerebral match than we traditionally see for them rather than them just hitting the high notes. Yeah, they've been doing that for a bit, you know, in, in Japan. I think ever since that really started hitting on on the social media and all that about people complaining about their, oh, these guys never do psychology. It's all just doing this and that. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they started slowing it down and, and being, a, you know, like y'all said, more cerebral. They came up with the, the submission finish mm-hmm. and all that, which that I think played a key part in here as well. I uh, Go ahead. I, I don't know how I feel about them using a submission finish, though. Uh, specifically being the fact that the Melter driver is as devastating as it is. That I, I think that they're they're probably just better off going for the pin there. Especially because of the work with the back that they had done on a show. And then they spiked him on his head with the Melter driver. But in addition, that also affects the back as well because you're compressing the neck. It was Yo, but who's counting? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> technically, they both I'm, have blue highlights and blonde hair, so... I'm going to point out once again, I'm new to the product. Don't be a jackass. <laughs> oh, no. Patrick's not here. I have to fill in. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like you don't. <laughs> Derail number one. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of the double sharpshooter spot at the beginning of the match? It's just sort it. of classic Young Buck stuff, right? Yeah. I'll admit I, it made me it made me chuckle a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, certainly. But uh, moving up, moving on here. I, you know, I wasn't that big a fan of the. Not that I was expecting to be, anyway, this gauntlet match. You kind of expected it to be sort of, I guess if you can call it the worst thing on the show. And it kind of was. But, you know, I'm glad that uh, Beretta got to have a kind of shining moment. It gets undone the next night, as I think you and I talked about, Paul, that they love to do this. Whoever wins at Wrestle Kingdom the next night, oh. Who cares? <laughs> but these belts are kind of what? the whatever belts. Wait, 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 wait. So what you're telling me is that 50-50 booking has infiltrated New Japan as well? It's hard to call it 50-50 booking when people can't really get a title defense off and then they'll lose it to a different team or something like that. Yeah. It's 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 very much a championship built to sort of create quote competition uh because of how often they'll change and you get so many different pairings all the time it's just sort of a a fun little fresh event that they that they'll sort of do and um i don't know i i i don't mind it honestly uh just because they they sort of have embraced that i think it's it's sort of an in uh little joke if you keep watching the product like hey you know these belts are going to change all the time and that's kind of the fun I think it's also a belt meant to be defended at house shows and stuff like that to to create mm-hmm. that something could actually happen that's not the expected. Uh, so that also is is part of it. And you know, for me, I don't have a problem with it because they take all their other titles. So most of them, anyway, uh, unless you're a tag belt, then you know that is what it is. Yeah. But if you're there's a multi-man title, title, you get you don't got a chance. Yeah, there's singles <laughs> titles. They take them all seriously. So having the one like sort of joke belt, I don't think is that big a deal. But I mean, you you look at it from a different perspective, Harry. So like, what do you? Uh, honestly, I had one word to describe this match, and it was meh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in this match that I actually really care for too, which was such a colossal disappointment to me. Um, I'm a huge fan of Zack Sabre Jr. Camacho, uh, Tomatonga, I think he's called over there. Tongaloa. He's Tongaloa? Yes. Okay. Well, Haku's son, Camacho, the one that was in the WWE, has completely reinvented himself in New Japan. See, that's rough, because Tomatonga also Haku's. (laughs) (laughs) But but the one was was, uh, Camacho in the WWE. You right, are correct right. on that, yes. Yes. So, I mean, you had Z- Zack Sabre Jr., you had uh, Camacho in there, you had Ray Rowe and uh, Hanson War Machine, who I'm a big fan of, and apparently this weekend will be it for them in New Japan. Yep. 
Um, and then you have somebody like Big Mike Elgin, who's become somewhat of a controversial figure in wrestling recently, too, but whose in-ring work is always backed up pretty well compared to uh, what a guy his size should and shouldn't be capable of. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there were plenty of capable people in this match here, but the way it all just kind of ran together left me relatively uninterested. You know, uh, I I actually enjoyed this for the most part because I think they got – they told the stories that they needed to, right? I think, I think Zack Sabre choking out Ray Rowe was a big deal. I think that was sort of a highlight. Um, I think Suzuki gun sort of getting one upped at their own game, also sort of a a big story and something that, uh, got harped on in the new Japan rumble as well, that they sort of get one upped as well. So, uh, there's, I think there's a lot of storytelling going on and it was a great way to get Trent a moment, uh, who they've, uh, seemingly gotten behind pretty well. So, that's uh, that's all good news there. Yeah, I mean, because he's been he's been trying to do this thing where he's showing that he deserves to be a heavyweight, and it's slowly been a story for him. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, just every time you have one of these moments, it's something that you can pile up, and I'm sure they'll do some kind of highlight video of it or something whenever he's having this big moment match that they might mean something. But he that's what's good uh you know that's it's difficult though when you have the next night and they kind of sort of make it mean a little less with him well taking the pins yeah but. yeah that's the, the th- and i was going to kind of save that for the new year's desk discussion but since you just brought it up right now uh it, it seems kind of counterproductive to have beretta eat the fall in the six-man title defense the following night there if you really want to play this off as this could be this huge career defining moment for him mm-hmm. see that that is the rough part with these belts too uh but to me i think it's just sort of a way to build up whatever you want to keep going between bullet club and, and uh, chaos here to a certain degree. So, um, and, and you know, like I said, it's the six man titles. It's not like you have to look super deep into what they're trying to accomplish here, especially if you can just do something one night and make it feel like this guy mattered for a little bit. It, it gives you an inkling of what he might accomplish this year. I mean, I've, I've always been more of a fan of Trent and the tag team setting first with Kalen Croft as part of the dude busters. And then mm-hmm. more specifically with, um, Chuck Taylor as the best friends, but he's definitely stepped out more into his own ever since the separation from Rocky Romero and Rapongi vice. Yeah. I mean, him and Chuck did pretty well. I thought in, in the tournament and the crowd seemed to get behind him eventually too. So I kind of hope they bring Chucky e. T around a little bit more often. Yeah, it would be nice spe- to see him there. Go ahead. Not to mention losing one of their top Gaijin tag teams in War Machine, too. Right. That, uh, that'll that be interesting to see them try to, I guess, try to counteract from. Even though they, they got so many big, I mean, casts, I think is really all you need, which we'll talk about later. I think how they proved more than their own that they're still great. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just as long as the Archer doesn't get hurt again or something uh that seems to happen to him sadly yeah please but don't I, explode your back anymore <laughs> yeah please please don't but hey talk about it explode. was go ahead it was all that time carrying christy hemi and tna that doomed him oh, maybe god <laughs> rock and raven not to fiction. think about that at all poor guy <laughs> uh, rock so... and raven faction joke 
Speaking of explosions, uh, Cody and Kota Bushi. I'm 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 one of these people that's not been big on Cody, and I feel like this is the one that finally kind of did it for me as far as oh he, you know he's he's making this work, and then he you know the piling up on the the heel work and uh, involving Brandy. I like Brandy's little shot at the smart fans there before the match even started. Uh, I feel like she's really starting to kind of grasp who she is as far as a performer and then being there with Cody and uh, then, you know, Avushi was himself. So, I mean, you know that that's great already. So then you put him in there with Cody and I'm glad Coda won because I was kind of worried a little bit that they might give Cody the win for some reason. Uh, but I guess Cody got to knock another one off his list if that's still around. Yeah, um, I mean, can we talk about how Ibushi almost died? Because, yes. dear God. <laughs> I mean, but that's a that's a thing. He just falls on his neck. It's almost like you might as well expect it in every match. There's going to be a moment where he he falls. It's sad to say, but God, poor God. I don't hey, think man. we should ever minimize somebody almost dying in a match, Sean. That just <laughs> I'm not trying to minimize. I'm just saying with like Ibushi, it's like one of those like. I think I'm more surprised when that doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's as right, sad as it is fair. to say. I no, uh, it, it shocked me too, right? Like you don't want to see that. Ever. I apologize. I had some connectivity issues there. That's okay. That's fair. Kind of uh, weird. Yeah. What did I miss there? Because I came back. You guys were mid discussion. I apologize for having to retread here. Sorry, we're talking Coda and Cody. Well, uh, did you guys talk about Crossroads yet? No, oh, I just no. mentioned it, but uh, go ahead and give us your thoughts. <laughs> okay, to to steal the exact words of Don Callis here, Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> um, not not a bump somebody with a history of neck injuries should probably be taking. Ah. <sighs> Is really yet to stop him from taking <laughs> neck bumps. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, not yeah, to mention he also made that thing that I thought was a one-time deal with Tanahashi into a move that he does in most matches now—the lawn dart thing into the corner. Oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you know it's like, oh well, if I'm gonna take a move to might hurt my neck, you're gonna do it too. Mm-hmm. But as as far as the um. The Coda and Cody match went there. I kind of agree with what Sean said there. A lot of Cody's work on the independence has left me feeling unsatisfied. Uh, like, I know that he's capable of more, but, like, maybe there's something he's holding back here. This seemed like the first real time that he was able to live up to that legacy that he's been trying to build for himself here. This stood out to me as, in my opinion, the third best match on the show. I can get behind that. Um, I, I see. For me, I think Cody took a page out of the Shinsuke Nakamura book. He'll give you the really great stuff when it matters the most, and and he's had I think three occasions, uh, really since he left WWE, uh, that have stuck out the most. Uh, and this is his first time doing it in Japan, uh, and, and it was on a big stage. I felt like he really needed this too. So, 
uh, I, I can't, you can't discount his performance here. I thought he was phenomenal. Coda was his usual phenomenal self. And uh, this, this was just awesome. I, I enjoyed this match bell to bell. I think what also worked is the crowd really got into the Cody's like heel stick mm-hmm. and all the stuff with it, like where Coda hits Brandy and then they laugh about it. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, well, that was what, great. Let's, let's also give credit to Brandy too for regards to the uh, the subtleties to her character selling the uh, first selling the the landing one from Coda and then laughing about it with Cody as she was being checked on after the drop kick by Cody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Uh, th- yeah, I mean she's uh, slowly but surely just sort of getting it as uh, she's going along. Uh, which is nice. It's a vast difference from how she's treated in Ring of Honor, where she's very white meat baby face. And this is, I think, the first time we've really got to see her break out in a performance, um, just in general, I think. Yeah, I think th- I agree with you, though, Harry. I think this is probably up there, you know, with the you could you could make that case of having it be your your third best match on the show uh, easily. Uh, and you know, I think a lot of people coming in were were not possibly expecting that at all uh, from mm-hmm. Cody. So I think props to them for for totally delivering on that. The you know the, I've not been a big uh, I, I think I'm not the only one, but you know that whole the tag team title scene, the heavyweight tag team title scene is not always the greatest thing, uh, especially because they. Until, you know, even Sonata won the tag league, it had been traded around the same, like, three teams or whatever for the mm-hmm. major part of the year. And I, I knew I should have won it with Evil Sonata because the world tag league team always wins. But I, this one surprised me. I think it was one of the better tag team matches that I've seen from the heavyweight side uh, in a while. I mean, these guys went out and delivered, I thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, hats off to to Callis and uh, Kevin Kelly at ringside, who were stat machines. Five years in a row, the winner of the World Tag League has come in and won the titles uh, here at Wrestle Kingdom, which is pretty a, a very interesting feat. And I think it does definitely show you where the, sort of the tag division is. I I like this a lot. I think um, you know this is basically how you get bumped up to a big time team in New Japan now. Is you win the tag belts. You're in the books. That's really just how they're going to keep doing it, I think, because there's so much focus on the individual titles, as we said. And I don't, I don't think. Uh, while it's a nice attraction, I just don't think this is where they're they're really thinking right now. Is singles is going to make a money, not tag teams. It it also seems to be a thing with like ghettos, just not big on tag teams. That you know, I. I, I think it's definitely a, a very recent wrestling trend, too, is that just companies in general aren't really all that interested, I think, in booking tag teams anymore, even though they can't add a lot to a show. Um, there's just not as much focus on it and, and most major promotions anymore. Which is odd for me, especially considering that Ghetto comes from a tag team background himself with Yato. With mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as far as the match itself went to me, I, I was... Uh, I thought Killer Elite looked really good here, and they dominated the vast majority of this match here, which made it almost seem like Evil and Sonata's victory came off kind of flukish at the end to me. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if that was done by design because they're planning on having Evil and Sonata continue to feud with Archer and Davey Boy Jr. But it's just going to be one of those things that we're going to have to see more of down the road with those, those two teams. Uh, you know, a lot during the tag league, uh, LIJ was sort of babyface in peril a lot. And, and I, th- I mean, this is what Kess is, is great at, Killer Elite Squad, is just murdering you. Uh, <laughs> believably murdering you. And uh, I, I think they're one of the best tag teams uh, when they're healthy. And, and it's it was so great to see them have this performance. Not to mention, shout out to Lance Archer. He he destroyed a pond to, to make sure the front four rows got wet. So hats off. <laughs> I have to love that, honestly. Uh, the, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, it, it's interesting. Let's see where Evil Sonata go from here, and if they do uh, become uh, a team to be reckoned with, as well, we'll see if perhaps they kind of take a little bit of a detour uh, when we mm-hmm. get to the New Year Dash. Well, hey, I talked about we can't have Goto uh, doing. Uh, we can't have Goto losing his wonderful locks. And that didn't happen as he went and became never open way champion again, defeating Suzuki. I thought this was, uh, you know, I was expecting like them to go out here and just kill each other. And you had a much more, more story driven match here than. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Su- I mean, Suzuki went out there to kill Goto. He yeah, did with, with too much. Hair. I, I I will point out that it led to one of the biggest laugh out loud moments for me watching the show when I hear Don Callis with complete sincerity go carny on us and say that he knocked his dizzick in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but something about the way that Callis said that and the fact that he said that made me laugh uncontrollably. But are, are you are you surprised that they went ahead and just had the the Goto win? Are you asking me or Paul? I am asking well either one of you because it I, seemed I like can't everybody really... was was picking oh Suzuki's going to win Suzuki's going to win this is going to be some kind of pivotal moment for Goto and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, I, Go, I mean, give your thoughts, Harry, because I, I said at the top I was going to try not to take the lead, and I feel like I have. <laughs> well, I was just going to say here, I, I honestly didn't have an inkling one way or another towards this match because I didn't know anything of the history going into it. Mm-hmm. I saw, I mean, I saw the little hype package that they did before the match where they talked about the fact that Suzuki had beaten Goto twice, and that kind of made me lean towards Goto in this match. Mm-hmm. But at the same time there, with the way that uh, Suzuki was laying the shots in there, it's almost like Goto owed him money or something. <laughs> well, that's just Suzuki. He's... Everybody owes Suzuki money yeah. in his mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, there's somebody else from New Year's Dash that we'll talk about a little bit later who apparently owes uh, Suzuki something else now. Oh, well, they have a lot of history. So <laughs> perhaps there's a lot of owing somebody money there. They have a very classic, a Wrestle Kingdom match that you should check out, Harry. If you I, I, watched it. I heard it was something of like Kings of Pro Wrestling. 
Uh, Kings of Pro Wrestling 2012, I think, with the show date that was given to me for one of the matches to look into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, to my knowledge, I don't think Suzuki and Tanahashi have had a match I've hated against each other. Uh, so I, I think you're safe no matter where you go. I, to me, th- this is what Sean says. This is a story-driven match. Uh, Suzuki going so far to prove that he is better and not just sort of taking the sleeper victory. He wanted to kill Goto. He wanted to make sure he knew that he got beat this time and he was you know, dead set on hitting that gotch pile driver at any chance he could and Goto just kept fighting and fighting until he finally uh, got the GTR on him, and that was all she wrote. Well, that also uh, speaks to the uh, – um, I, I assume uh, Suzuki's – the way that I saw it hit in the uh, – the way that I saw it hit in the video package there, his gotch pile driver is actually the cradle pile driver, right? Not the Cesaro one that we know? Yeah. It's so hard for me to tell the difference because they're both sort of set up the same. Uh, Jerry Lynn's version of the move. See, I thought Jerry moved his arms after he picked you up. Uh, Suzuki does it more like Cesaro where he holds you the entire way. Yeah, but Cesaro fell forward with it. Well, that's the neutralizer. That's not a power driver then. Well, that's what they called. He called it the gotch neutralizer. Yeah, this is straight up just a gotch pile driver where it's the same hook you around the leg and then pile drive you into the mat. Okay, so this is like Jerry Lynn's cradle pile driver, just with a slightly different setup. Yeah. Okay, that's one of the things that I was cu- curious about there. But um, yeah, I did notice that he kept going for that move there, and Callus was calling him out on it. But at the same time, it almost seemed like that move is kind of not conducive to the size difference of the two men either. Mm. The fact that Goto is just so much physically bigger than uh, Minoru Suzuki is. You know, uh, Suzuki is the living Japanese embodiment of Satan. So he will go to whatever means he can to torture you and make sure that his point is proven, which is um, proven to his detriment this one time. Uh, Other times it's been obscenely effective. So, (laughs) Yeah, uh, for real. And Goto also let the Suzuki know I'm not just putting you down with one I'm putting you down with mm-hmm. both versions of the GTR as well he he had a uh, plenty of uh, gusto uh, in that too I I just uh, hope that this sort of means something for him but it's just with Goto you never know we kind of talked about this before we started recording uh, the post match mm-hmm with um, Suzuki Goon trying to get Minoru out of there, but then Minoru turning around and heading back towards the ring on of his own volition. Do you mm-hmm. think that goes somewhere eventually as well? Because it seemed kind of like they were teasing that Minoru, when the time came down to it, would do what was right. You know, that's uh, that's a tougher call. To me, it, it did feel like he just mostly wanted to live up to his word because that was basically the entire point of, of them making it hair versus hair was that he was trying to basically embarrass Goto to the point of letting him know, look, you're not on my level. And this time he actually proved that he was. So uh, going back, shaving his own head, swatting the chair Goto got out of the way for his own chair, I thought was a great touch too. Like, this is his way... He's doing everything his way to make sure that, you know, he's not as beaten as you might think. 
Well, I forget who it was that said before we started here that uh, Goto was ready to shave his head. I think Kevin Kelly talked about this, that it's Japanese tradition that you shave your own head as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Goto was there with the shaver, ready to shave his yeah. head. Uh, especially because he probably knew, if you're looking at Suzuki Goon, when there's no seconds allowed, Suzuki Goon still comes in and erupts on the match. You know, Yoshihashi has to be there to, you know, take him to hold him so Goto can take him out. And then he's expecting, okay, Suzuki's going to run off with, with his goons afterwards. He's not expecting that Suzuki's going to come back and, and, and live up to his word, which really knowing Suzuki, that kind of makes sense. Cause he's a very prideful guy. He's not, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of fits his MO. And again, he looks like a badass doing it. Like he didn't give a crap about the way it looked. Afterwards, he just said, okay, I'm going to come do it. I did it. Here you go. And then the next night, dude looks smooth as silk with the shaved head. So, you know. I love the reaction he got from the crowd whenever he revealed his head, too. So classic. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why I said, though, like him being bald is no big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Like if you wanted to have a big shock of Goto, you know. That I feel like that would have worked last year when he was doing his whole being with the the white paint and all that stuff and uh, praying under the waterfall and all that. That would have been perfect for then. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, if it seems to me that this is sort of a we're resigning Godo to this tier that he's on now, right? He's never gonna be. Um, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, and I, I think this sort of just confirms all of that. Like that, you're you're gonna be a second tier guy, like like Ishi or or Evil right now, or Bad Luck Fale. You're gonna be in that rank, you know, of guys, not necessarily Okada, Naito, Omega at this point. I cry a little every time we have to say Ishi is a secondary guy. Yeah, I know, it's it's a crying shame. <laughs> <laughs> The man will walk through a brick wall for you, and he uh, might do carry it for you to four for stars. <laughs> yeah, I know he will carry you to four stars without blinking, and he can't get. Well, well, I, I mentioned in the re- I, I mentioned in the review that I'm doing for this show here, kind of a teaser to everybody that it's coming to the W2M website here soon. That um, in regards to Ishi, there, uh, the last show that I watched was Wrestle Kingdom Nine which would have been 2015. And that's the one I think that Ishii and uh, Makabe had the knockdown drag out for the never open weight title. Yeah. Oh, what a great year for that title. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Where it was just the two of them and like, wasn't Shibata involved in them all beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, it's, it was them. You had Hanma thrown into that oh, mix too. God, which and Ishii Hanma. and Hanma at Sendai oh. is just unbelievable. If yeah. you haven't seen that yet. Oh, and oh, and then they had the match af- uh, on another show that was freaking fantastic too. Mm-hmm. I have very limited knowledge of Tomoaki Hanma. Uh, most of my knowledge of him comes from the show that he did for Ring of Honor back in '03 at Final Battle, mm-hmm. where it was uh, the tag match with him and his partner, whose name is escaping me right now, as they took on the Second City Saints of Punk and Cabana. Oh, that's a while ago. Uh, Final Battle 2003. It's the same show that Shitoshi Kojima came over and worked Homicide. 
Yeah, that was when Kojima was working uh, Major League Wrestling still down there in Florida. Court Bowers' uh, whole deal there. Yeah. Right. You think we see Hanma this year? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, supposedly he is good to go, so uh, there there is that, but I... I figured you, if they if he was ready to come back, they would have done it in the Rumble, so they might be holding it out for maybe Dominion time just to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Dominion's uh, like... i going to cringe every time he does Kokeshi, though. <laughs> like... uh, uh, Dominion, okay. Dominion's like their SummerSlam, right? Yes. You would be correct, sir. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, this is all kind of new to me. I mean, I follow the results and stuff. I read the reviews, but I'm just starting to watch the shows this year. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. We all got to start somewhere. Exactly. Paul had to guide Gary and I through, you know, when we started. So it's okay. Look, it's good that you're you're starting, and you know, we can have more new people on. It'd be cool to like, you know, if Angel ever got a microphone to have him on because he loves it so much too you know so it's it's nice that you know when we hear in the group that people are watching new japan because they listen to us and we're excited about it mission accomplished for for us so yeah you know that's not that you know new japan's the thing we want to bring everybody to but just you're watching something different that's not you know just and, and you can understand when uh some of the some of the guys on our staff kind of go off on it you can uh, you can see what uh, we enjoy about it too, you know. But you can still have your whatever you uh, your perspective on that uh, as well. Speaking of here, we got you know th- this four way also is another one of those where I think uh, I think I I remember myself saying Will Ospreay is the fourth guy in this, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that wins. Yeah. So. Uh, interesting, and they, they seem to make the whole thing about him, and various, uh, this was very layered, you know, if you think about it, like, you have the whole thing with him and Marty Skrull, you have the touches with him and Kushida in there as well, and then him and Hunromu also have their battles, and then, uh, Osprey wins, and I, I, I think, uh, this is, it's actually interesting considering it looked like he was like on his way out the door so yeah what'd you think Harry um honestly when I looked at the four participants in this match to me I just because over the course of the last year or so he's the guy outside of maybe Marty Skrull that has the most international acclaim that you could build this junior heavyweight brand around. As far as what you mentioned, though, with this match being so layered and stuff, this was my second favorite match on the show. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it was my second favorite match on the show is because of what Sean just said there about the fact that everybody had their own distinctive character in this match. But at the same time, you also saw stuff happen in this match that you would never expect to see, such as Osprey and Skrull working together. Very true. Because they've been um, they've been at each other's throats for the better part of the last two years or so on various independents over here in the U.S. and across the, the pond over in Britain mm-hmm. that you never expect to see them on the same page working together, but that's kind of what they decided they had to do in order to take out Kushida and Hiromu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, all uh, all really good points. I, I, I mean, coming into this, this really felt like it was Hiromu's uh, sort of match to win to me. Uh, and when the bell rang and you're about five minutes in, you already see that, uh, you know, Hiromu is basically getting his tail kicked uh, most of the time, taking most of the big spots and all that. I, I thought this was really good. There's a lot of people out there that I've heard that thought this was the best match on the show. Um and you can't really blame him, right? I mean, everybody loves a Flippy Boy special, and that's very much what this was at the end of the day. But I think they did a lot of great storytelling throughout it, too, as Harry just mentioned. All the Osprey scroll interaction. I think Hiromu and Kushida got their fair share in, and then the interplay between all four of them was also very well done. Do you think that this was uh, done the way that it was is more of an all-out sprint because of the way the junior heavyweight tag team match was booked with it being more mat-based and focused on the back injuries? I think that's what made this so good. Uh, and so this is something that I think New Japan does a lot better than most other promotions out there that I, at least I watch, uh, is that they, they go out there and they try to give most of the matches a different identity. Uh, I, I will say, however, that uh, me and Gary talked about this, too, how the New Japan Rumble sort of set the, the story, I think, for the entire event that you're having uh, Masahito uh, Kakihara come back from defeating cancer to win the Rumble. And it's sort of an underdog tale. And you get that more often than not throughout the night, like the LIJ match, like uh, Goto overcoming Suzuki, like Will Ospreay essentially overcoming the odds. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about, um, I think, Beretta and Chaos, probably that story, too. It's just they sort of beat you over the head with it here in that middle part of the show. And, and to me, that kind of lessened a little bit of the enjoyment, but at the same time, I think the matches were all executed so differently. That's what made this feel show, you know, this, it what made the show what it was to me. Yeah, to me, um, and I say this as a huge fan of pro wrestling gorilla, that one of the things about pro wrestling gorilla is that a lot of the matches tend to run together just because a lot of them work that same American independent style. Right. Whereas you have you have much more layered contexts when it comes to your overseas promotions, such as your Revolution Pro, such as your Progress, and yeah. to my, to my knowledge, what I've seen here for for uh, twelve tonight, such as New Japan as well. Yeah, Progress is another one who's really good at making matches feel different. Yeah, I mean Progress is also really good, you know, with their storytelling. So that kind of makes sense that you're going to have different matches on different shows. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping to get more into progress this year. Hopefully everything falls the way that it needs to, and I might pick up that progress on demand subscription this year. It's good stuff, man. They have a quick turnaround, too, usually about a week. That's pretty good for the uh, mm. not-so-expensive price. and Isn't it like 8 bucks a month? Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And yeah I just I kind of felt, though, that... This is the sort of similar thing you'll see with uh, the captain later on of the whole stable where you really felt like this would be that time where Hiromu gets to overcome his odds that he's dealt with throughout the story, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. It was kind of mm-hmm. weird. I agree. Um, if I mean, when we get to New Year's Dash, we can talk about this some more, but uh, there, there's... There, there's a plan around a lot of this, I feel like, especially this match uh, going yeah. forward. I was just thinking the same thing on the basis of the 10-man tag bait event from New Year's Dash. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, think the I don't think the Hiromu Osprey story is anywhere near over based on what we saw today. Right. 
That's that's good though, because they were the one match that we haven't seen a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. So if they get to have a series before you move Hiromu on to somebody else eventually, I, I'm down with that because we saw a lot of the other guys. I also want to give credit to the villain Marty Scurll for one fantastic entrance at Wrestle Kingdom as well. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Made those wings himself. Pictures all over the internet. It's a great. It's a. It's a really cool story. Cody took a lot of them in the hallway, physically sewing everything. Yeah, Cody uh, worked I, on it all day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I sent somebody a message that said, "Yeah, Skrull made that those those wings himself." There, I forget who it was. I had sent it to, but it I was, was impressed. Me. the The entrance was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Osprey rocking the purple. Osprey rocking the purple, Kushida getting a little Back to the Future in there too. Yeah, that uh, that Back to the Future he had was pretty nasty. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, uh, oh, the uh, the dive off the stage was really cool by Osprey. Um, Kushida freaking taking that overhead belly to belly into the turnbuckle too. Nasty. Oof. And then he did. I thought he did the most vicious. Uh, over the ropes power bomb thing the the one he did to Hiromu after oh. yeah yeah see yeah, i mean small things like that like these these guys still hate each other that's the best yes <laughs> see i'm going to uh i'm going to say that i wasn't quite as impressed by that overhead belly to belly as you guys were but a lot of that has to do with the style of the new japan turnbuckle pads it looks like they're built to kind of cushion a blow like that yeah I mean, it's still pretty nasty to go in the corner, though. Anytime you're upside down with nobody to help you down and you can fall on your neck, mad props. Uh Yeah. Fair. I mean, mean, (laughs) yeah, you have Yano come and take that whole turnbuckle pad off and, you know, swing it around, but it uh, it has its uses. (laughs) Uh, Moving on from here, we have uh, this... I see title match that also probably angered quite a few people. I saw it all over uh, the Twitterverse, and I can kind of understand, but I think we also got pulled into the ruse of Jay White. Paul and I should have known better because the the guys that have seniority, they don't lose like that mm-hmm. on, on the big stage, and that's pretty much what happened here. Hiroshi Tanahashi just, you know, Jay White had his moments, but Tanahashi kind of owned him here. Go ahead, Eric. All right, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, somewhere, Sammy Callahan suing for gimmick infringement. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the uh, company the same time they were promoting the Switchblade uh, gimmick. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that's kind of my problem there is when I see stuff like that, when I see that kind of build and that kind of entrance and that kind of promo, promo stuff there, you expect like going back to the days of the Switchblade Conspiracy and CZW with Sammy Callahan and Moxley, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not some young lion like Jay White who quite frankly has barely had a cup of coffee in the upper level scene in New Japan. I didn't buy for one second that White was a threat to Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did, and I, I will say that I think this match sort of showed maybe why it was a little bit believable, even though it was not booked that way, uh, because Sean's absolutely right. This is Tanahashi putting a whooping on Jay White 
for a majority of the match while White basically getting in his stuff and working really hard. But to me, uh, it looks like age and injuries are sort of starting to catch up to Tanahashi. He looked really slow to me, Mm -hmm. or at least a step or two slower than he usually is. Uh, And I think that had a lot to do with it. And, And, you know, Jay White, to me, it's a gimmick that they put a lot of hype into and suddenly thrust into the big scene. And I thought this was going to be a much better match than what we got here. But, you know, Jay White still, he's two and a half months into a gimmick. As far as I'm aware, he's never worked heel, too. So I think there's sort of a lot of learning that Jay White still has to do in this role that he has. Uh, but when we get to the next show, I, I think he shows you why it's got a lot of promise. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all like I, evil. Where, you know, right. Evil had to grow in his character. Because exactly. when he came out, it was stupid, right? Like, we sat and we made fun of the lasers and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the big scythe that he has and whatever. Like, oh, my God, he's – like, this is a bad gimmick. And then he eventually found his footing. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's that's what's going to happen to Jay. You know, like, I think you got to give him a lot well, of credit because he could have been like David Finley and just had no gimmick. Right. right just came back right. and whatever, and and he he comes back with a gimmick. Yeah, maybe it's some, like something else that is already out there, but he's trying to make it work, and I, I think it's just going to take some time. You know, well, hats off just... to the prop company too, whoever upgraded Evil Scythe. By the way, upgrading from the costume store one to the sick ass metal one he's got now is just awesome. Oh yes. Um... Uh, real quick, as far as the whole Jay White thing goes, and we're going to kind of bleed this into the New Year's Dash review that we're going to do next. Um, I didn't buy him as a threat to Tanahashi, and to be quite frankly, to be quite frank about it, I don't buy him as a threat to Omega either. I I will save my thoughts until we get to that part of the show. Very well. Well, we had the match everybody was waiting for here: Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Hashtag and, aroused. Yes, hashtag aroused. I'm sure Gary <laughs> could not hold himself uh, while watching this. And oh, visual I didn't need. Oh. <laughs> we had I to have one of those. Let's not use. We had to have one of those in here. <laughs> but, let's not. Please, let's not use the words aroused and not able to hold himself in the same sentence, shall we? <laughs> But you know that's what was happening. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you know what? This was great. Um, I didn't think it was like you know awesome or whatever. Whatever either. I thought it was great. I thought Chris Jericho worked really hard for being forty-seven. He went out there and showed that you know what the dude can do it. Uh, Kenny Omega was was freaking on. I think people were probably expecting worse, and you got better. But I think people that were expecting like way up there, you know, in the echelon, I think it didn't hit that either. But this was really really good. I didn't have a problem with the rope break stuff. I think people were really complaining about that a lot. Uh, that yeah, his name's Larry. It no, it works because it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a false con anywhere match. Oh no, I saw a, uh, I, I read Larry's review for Wrestle Kingdom, and for those of you who don't know, I'm referring to uh, Sean and Paul's contemporary over at Four on One, Larry Zonka. 
Uh, I read his review for Wrestle Kingdom, and he was bitching about that rope break thing that you talked about there. And somebody in the comments verbatim laid out the difference between no disqualification, street fight, street fight, false count anywhere. And the fact is, is that while there may have been no disqualifications in this match, there were still countouts. Therefore, the rope breaks were in effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Larry it was only said no it was DQ. a small thing, though. Yeah. He said it was a very small thing in hindsight. Yeah, I, I think people also were taking him to task too much on on that, too. Then, then of course, you have the people that are just acting like he doesn't know what he's talking about. The dude's been doing this for a long time. But it, mm-hmm. w- what did you guys uh, think of the match? I, I still thought it was great. I just didn't think it was, like, you know, Ugh, five stars you or whatever. It's not five. Not, this is not not five. Fi- no. Not five. No, I agree. I had I have it around four and a half. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where, where I had I it. it. And here's the thing, uh, Paul, you know how when you fill in on SmackDown and 205 Live with me, we make the, the comment about uh, Brian Kendrick being the GDP. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Chris Jericho is the GDG. <laughs> Chris Jericho is a goddamn goat. Uh, you're not wrong. For him to come in and put on this kind of performance, as Sean said, at the age of 47, mm-hmm. shows not only his dedication to professional wrestling as, as a whole, but also his dedication to help getting a guy like Kenny Omega over with that New Japan fan base as well. Jericho is a name that wrestling fans know, and even more so in Japan because of all the history that Jericho has over there. They had the little video package before the match started, and they showed Jericho as this 26-year-old uh, Lionheart when he mm-hmm. first started touring with New Japan, and that was back in the early 90s. He was working like, uh, war before that, not, too, wrestling romance. So, like I mean, 90, uh, 93, 94 in that range. Before, yes, yeah, it was about the time he was working ECW. Be, right before he got his big break with ECW that got him signed by WCW, and then WCW sent him over for a couple of tours as well. Mm hmm. So this is a guy who's clearly never lost his dedication to the whole Poro, uh, the whole Poro aspect as well, and was able to give them something that was so significantly different than everything else on the upper tier of this card, and stood out of its own accord. In addition to playing to the stipulation so perfectly, like I said, I had it at four and a half stars, and it was exactly what I would have wanted out of these two. I thought this was incredible the whole way around. Jericho performance of the year uh, in this very short year so far, and I don't know if anybody's going to top it uh, just because, I mean, my God, it was just so, it was that good. Uh, and he was equally matched, I think, by Kenny Omega, who was equally as incredible, his usual terrific self. And I, I, these guys just went out there and killed it. This is my favorite match on the show. Um, th- One. My, this was great. 1000% agree with you. This was my favorite match on the show as well. I have this one first, the junior heavyweight four way next, and then Cody and Kota tied with the main event for third. It's fair. I mean, I really third, enjoyed the next but... match we're going to talk about too. Yeah. It's probably my third, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it was still a, a great match. And I agree with you. I thought like Jericho really, really stood out here as far as showing you that when he doesn't have the hand claps on, he can really do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it all, I mean, obviously it helps you're in there with Kenny Omega, which, you know, well, we've seen what he can do over the time. And it, it's just what plays in this well too, is that the stipulation 
works in everything they did. They played to it. They, mm-hmm. you know, didn't didn't deviate from that. I thought there was multiple times Jericho could have won, which I think helps a lot because if you're going into this, most of the time you're going, okay, Omega's winning. You know, there's no, there's no way that Jericho's coming and taking the U.S. title. And but but they they got me a couple of times with that, and I think they got a lot. You know, the the crowd it got over with the crowd, which is what's important in that aspect. And yeah. at that point, you don't know if Jericho's gonna. Aside from, you know, obviously he shows up at New Year Dash meaning business, but you don't know if he's going to do anything else besides that at that point. So, um, you know. Sorry, Sean. Two things off of what you said there before we move on because I felt like you were about to. Uh, First, um, to put this into kind of a WWE perspective here because that's kind of the viewpoint I'm coming at this show with. This match reminded me a lot of the street fight between Jericho and Punk at Extreme Rules. Okay. Yeah. Because they had their, their they had their relatively disappointing match at WrestleMania that year. Mm-hmm. And then they had the street fight in Chicago the following month in Extreme Rules, and it blew the WrestleMania match out of the water. Yeah. Yeah, I remember loving that match, I think, a lot more than a lot of other people did. Uh, as far as the the point that you just raised here, and that was something that I was going to talk about here, is I would have bit a lot harder on the Jericho near falls if this match wasn't for Omega's U.S. title, though. Fair enough. You know what? Uh, I bite every time Jericho busts out the Lion Tamer, uh, which he absolutely did in this, and uh, that got no amount of unending appreciation from me. So, <laughs> and, and he beat up the referee's son, too, which is always appreciated. 10 out of 10. Jericho's yeah. best heel ever. <laughs> as, as mentioned earlier, GDG. You, you got it, man. He's so good. Well, uh, maybe not the best heel ever, but uh, a guy that certainly knows when he wants to turn that on and off. Uh, one Kazushka Okada, who has carried this company for the entire year, and one Tetsuya Naito that has been the other man in that equation. They went at it. They had a hell of a match. Uh, the closing stretch, which both guys do so well, was uh, phenomenal. But the surprise, I think, that really got everybody was Okada walks out of this as your champion. Uh, it was hard for me because, obviously, I'd watched it after the fact that people had given their opinion and whatever. And I was still kind of upset. Because you you want Naito to get his crowning moment, but it also makes sense from the other side that I I could see where Okada's been freaking awesome, mm-hmm. and until he's showing that he's not that, or that the fans start you know going some other way with him, why change that? Right, the company has been on such a high with him as champion, you know, and Naito could still chase and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, how far, how long can you let that go on? That's the problem. I mean, uh, you know, it's. I think it's that. It, that's always such a hard thing, right? We we blame this on uh, Vince as well. He always gets he gets it wrong a lot of times. You know, Ghetto's not perfect. That's happened to him too. You think that's a case of that that he didn't get it right, or is there still an opportunity where this can work down the line? 
Well, the very next night here at New Year's Dash, and we'll talk about this more when we actually talk about the show here, that crowd was almost decidedly pro Naito. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe last night may have been the opportunity, or yesterday morning, last night here for us American fans, may have been the opportunity to strike while the iron was hot. But at the same time, I do feel like there's going to be further chances down the road. I don't think that the story between Naito and Okada is anywhere near finished for this year. I mean, Okada basically says as much, too, in that uh, post-match promo with with Ghetto. So, um, you know, for... First, I want to talk about the match because, and and I'm interested on your point in this too, Sean, rarely have we seen Okada outperformed in these title matches, Mm -hmm. and honest to God, I think Naito was the better wrestler on this night. Oh, he was. Uh, Honest to God. Yes, he was. Uh, He was totally the better wrestler. His performance was out of this world in this match, Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I think I did enjoy it so much was because it was just just such a, a different... A dichotomy, I guess, than what we're seeing because Okada usually always looks just as or, or better than who he's wrestling, and and to me, this is maybe the one time during this title reign where he's been absolutely outperformed. And and on Wrestle Kingdom, you know, I mean, that's I think that's a big feat for for Naito. I think they missed the mark. I think this is a bad decision, and I don't want, uh, like I said on the W2M review, I I don't think, and I don't want anybody to think that this means I'm bagging on Okada because he's great. This, he's under 30. The guy cannot fail at, at putting on these big title matches. Uh, but to me, I felt like this was the moment where you have an opportunity to create that number two, that foil, that other guy who could always come out of nowhere and beat Okada. And Naito was going to be his nemesis. You know, you had you had Misawa and Kawada. It could have been that all over again, I think, if they put the belt on Naito here. Yeah, I... That's what what really hurt is that he could walk into New Year Dash as champion. You could really have that crowd behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you still had the big Okada chance as well uh, during yeah, absolutely. that match. And, uh, you know, not, just I feel like uh, it's just – again, you can, you, can, you can make the case that I made, right, that Okada's been great. Why change it? Uh, mm-hmm. Now Okada can shift roles, right? He can be the heel, the the full on heel. He's not he's not the I'm trying to defend the company and take it whatever. Now I'm just being an ass or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and you you can take it that route if you want. And he's he's done that before, and he he did that great as well. Uh, like you said, he's just really never failed at anything uh, unless you're you know TNA and you somehow ruin yourself with with having him. But I just. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably unnecessary, but you know, uh, I just, and I, going back to your point, I think the the whole story of it was that Naito did need to show that he is better, mm-hmm. and he needed to show that he is not only just as good, but can eclipse Okada in that situation because, as much as he throws titles around or whatever, he actually does really care. I think it's just. Right. That's that's like the underneath facade of the whole thing is that he does care. He's just not gonna show it mm-hmm. like that. So I I think um and as far as this match goes too, uh, I think a lot of the action is sort of played out like that too. Where Naito I think really is taking Okada to task during the beginning and end, and or during the beginning and the middle, excuse me. And then of course Okada at the end is just his usual incredible self, especially during the stretch, but. 
You know, I, I think that's maybe part of the story of why they wanted Omega to win, or Omega, Jesus, Okada to win here. Uh, and that's because, you know, maybe they want Naito to keep being that rebellious sort of guy you keep cheering for. Uh, so I, I don't know. I Like I said, I still think it's a mistake, but I, like Sean, I absolutely understand why you wouldn't want to do this, why you wouldn't want to end Okada's title reign, because it's been tremendous. <laughs> that's tremendous. what they did. Almost 9,000 more than last year. Yeah, 8,800 so. is the final count as far as end over end. Um, can I ask a question as far as the match context goes for something that kind of confused me? Yeah, do it, dude. Um, and I'm looking at this from like a WWE perspective here, like mm-hmm. I said before here. And um, this is something that I was going to touch on in the review, and I'm still going to talk about it. But I wanted to bring it up here since you guys would have more of a inside perspective towards this kind of situation here. Is it just me or did the go home sequence feel kind of very WWE main event stylish? That's how uh, most of Vocado's go home things are. Well, as somebody new as somebody new to him other than other than being treated no, as I mean, Samoa that's Joe. what that's what happens though in most of those is you have the big like it's just a reversal fest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have the one kick out of the finisher. Now, Okada is different because only certain guys get to kick out of the, uh, of the rainmaker. Not everybody, yeah. just some guys like the top tier dudes get to kick out of it. Everybody else, you one rainmaker and you're done, you know, unless they're mm-hmm. trying to prove a point that, you know, he's now at this level or whatever. But, yeah. Well, it, that kind of throws me back to the Omega feud from last year where Omega kicked out of the Rainmaker, but Okada never kicked out of the one wing angel. He only survived by using the ropes. Right. Yeah. Wrestle Kingdom last year, uh, uh, they that started the story because Omega never actually hit the one winged angel, uh, which they really wanted to protect that. And they used to do that with the Rainmaker. It used to not matter who you were. Is Rainmaker, you're out. You know, and that's how the finishing stretches. Uh, I would say at least in 2014-2015 sort of went um, is that, you know, it was all built around ducking and reversing and trying not to get hit by that Rainmaker until Okada finally does it. And then that's how, you know, the match is over. Uh, I think last year they sort of flipped the script uh, with with Omega. And and that was, I think, the point of doing that as well as doing that here with Naito, right, is you're trying to show guys who are close to his level. Um, that have him scouted exactly right. uh, and i think guys who are just you know who who new japan thinks are that good oh. all that stuff you know yeah i'm not complaining about the fact that they went in full-on finisher fest at the end of the match there i'm just saying though that i see a lot of complaints about uh there are some people that complain about the wwe being too reliant on it but it seemed like this was verbatim like an attitude era fin- finisher fest to close the show well, I, I would say wrestling in general is very dependent on finisher fest nowadays and the end finishes. Right, but I, I mean, think that... the difference is that other than you know Nakamura's knee, most of the other <laughs> finishers in New Japan are very, very protected. You don't kick out of them a, a lot, or if ever, you know, in, in Omega's case, and uh, you know, even the high fly flow is not. It's a freaking frog splash, but. Like, that doesn't really get kicked out of uh, much, unless you're, you know, mm-hmm. Fale or something that's freaking huge. And, like, it's 
it's weird how certain things are, but it's just they make it work. They really, really protect these these things. And that's what adds layers on it, too, is that Okada would figure out different ways to make sure that, okay, well, you ducked it this time, but you're not going to do it the next time. Like the whole with the German and then doing the lariat or the, mm-hmm. you know, the thing he did with Tanahashi where he held his hand. And right. that was the such risk- an iconic thing. Mm-hmm. Well, he the had wrist kind clutch of the- has become his signature almost now. Yeah, I was going to say he did the kind of the same thing with Naito here as well, where uh, he he hit uh, – I think he hit a variation of the Rainmaker for the double down. And then when they came back up, he still had wrist control of Naito until Naito countered out into Destino. Right. There, that's a very big deal. There's a lot of talk on, on some New Japan sites I'm on too that – People think whenever people have him ultimately figure it out is when they'll break the wrist clutch, uh, which yeah, could like be a Tanahashi nice – there's always him. a close-up of it. Yeah, it's it – is like Tana started that with the like, oh, oh, you're going to wrist clutch me, slap. And then, <laughs> you know, Omega got out of it, and then, you know, you have Naito getting out of it. So I just really think that it's that's, – that's the thing, right? Like – I think that's why I love New Japan the most is that as much as, you know, WWE does great stories when they want to do them, what I hate and I can't stand, and I get it why they have to do it, right? Because they are very casual friendly. They are very about, we want to make sure that anybody can watch us at any time. Like, I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of times where I don't watch any of the shows and I go on the pay-per-view and I haven't watched a show. And I, I can get it. I don't have to watch every freaking Raw and SmackDown and whatever. And... Like, they honor you watching this show for years or whatever. Not as, like, you know, Dragon Gate does it even better somehow. It's amazing how they can do that for, like, ten years. But it's, like, WWE is so focused on wanting to – you don't – I don't care if you remember what happened two months ago. For the most part, you're not – what happened two weeks ago is not going to matter. Every well, every time Okada does something, he's that is getting uh, it, it's it's getting changed every time with whoever's facing him, and that's that's what makes these things special, you know. Well, I would say to that that it's something that the WWE used to be really strong into. Um, I know Patrick and I kind of run this into the ground when we talk about the show, but uh, on. Richard something to wrestle with podcast. He talks about the fact that they laid out little instances and little things in the entire road from WrestleMania four, when Savage won the belt to WrestleMania five, when Hogan challenged for it. Mm-hmm. And there was an entire layered storyline there. They used to have those year long builds there, but at the same time, when you're trying to, when you're trying to market your product to a audience that's watching on a weekly television basis here, you're going to have limited attention spans. You're going to have so many other different options for what to watch and stuff that you have to be able to, uh, excuse me. You have to be able to have a product that the casuals can jump right into without feeling like they're missing too much of anything by not being invested in the show from the beginning of the storyline. Oh no, I totally understand that. I'm just saying, that's one of the things that's great is that you're rewarded as someone that is watching and have watched their feud or their or Okada's rise or or Naito's, you know, change in character and, and everything else. It's I, I'm just saying that as that's one of the awesome rewards of watching this promotion 
as opposed to something that is very weekly, very, you know, watch, like watching a TV episode of anything else. And that's fine. That's okay. I'm just saying that for you as a person that is, is watching this, I guess more prevalently now, that's one of the cool things that you'll get to experience like, you know, Paul and I are that if you watch this long enough, you'll get to notice those little things and and get to appreciate them a lot. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of uh, I didn't think this was as great as last year. Yeah, um, it's still a great show. Uh, mm hmm. I went with uh, the 8.5 range there. Uh. Uh, that's both what me and Gary gave it as well. Uh, yeah, make it four for four. I'm at an eight and a half as well. There was just that little something. There just there was that little something that I never got that with any of the matches of this feels like otherworldly, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard when, you know, you're Okada and you've been having these great matches with all these guys in the main event for however long. And we've had these stretch of matches where they kind of all try to top each other in the run up. Yeah, I think I think as a new viewer, though, I appreciate the fact that they didn't try to go epic with anything here tonight. I feel like if they'd have tried to do another one of those 60-minute Omega Okada matches there tonight, I feel like my interest would have waned during the course of that match. Oh, oh mm-hmm. it didn't have to be 60 minutes to be epic, though. You know, they've had uh, these main yeah. these matches and, where they're 35 and still... And frankly, Melcher can STFU. Yeah, I mean... About I this wouldn't whole get that at all, but, you know... About this whole scale-breaking... Sh- because frankly, that's getting annoying as crap. Well, what I I doubt that he broke the skill for anything here, but you know, a f- fair enough point. Yeah, I, I don't know. What did you? I think. Uh, My, a, go ahead. Well, if I were if I were looking at this like I would a review of Raw with my final reaction here, um, to me the MVP for this show is Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm for putting in the performance that he did it on such an unexpected level here. I mean, you got basically what you probably expected out of Okada and Naito. You got basically more or less what you probably expected out of Tanahashi and Jay White there. To me, Jericho and, o- and Omega exceeded any and all expectations that most probably had for that contest. You know, uh, I, I will say that I think out of everybody that participated on this show – I think Chris Jericho had the most to prove out of everybody, um, and, and that might be a, a little, um, I guess, uh, controversial. But I, I absolutely think it does for somebody who has been wrestling for the same company for uh, nigh on seventeen years to go out here and try to prove that he still got it in a different stage and a different culture, despite one that he is very familiar with. Um, I absolutely think he had the most to go out there and prove to to wrestling fans and pundits and whatever else you want to call yourselves out there. I, and I think he did it. I think he proved everything he wanted to do. And that's, um, you can do that when you're the goat. Yeah, totally. Uh, for me personally, I liked Naito's performance a little bit more, but I, oh, Naito I was incredible too. Yeah. yeah I, I can't, there's no way you can say, 
I think anybody that's that's watching this and disagrees with you guys is not watching the same thing. I think mm-hmm. obviously the guy the, the the match that that hits you is Jericho mm-hmm. and Omega because you're ex- you're not expecting that. You're expecting less, you know, mm-hmm. and and they they really brought that to the table. And so for that point, I think if you're talking about, yeah, the whole he has more to prove, all that kind of stuff, MVP in that way from being down here to being up here. Yeah, but I still felt like Naito brought it the most because this is what he was doing. And he he brought it to Okada and unfortunately he didn't win, but I still think that that doesn't take away anything from – from what happened, and he's he's my MVP, but I don't I don't think Jericho is uh, wrong in any respect in that either. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Naito went out there and outperformed the best performer that works with the company full time, and um, I, I think that is a feat in of itself because we've seen Okada just be absolutely tremendous uh, throughout 2017, and Naito showed him up. On the big stage. That is no small feat. Alright. So let's get into talking about actual uh, New Year Dash here. And it is, uh, in fact, New Year Dash. There is no S. Because sometimes I get that question and I'm just like, nope. You don't see an S on it? Don't pronounce the S. But, mm-hmm. uh, anyway. Moving, moving on from Wrestle Kingdom, which was a terrific show. Hopefully, you know, you got to watch it. If you didn't, you know, it's probably out there and, you know, less, uh, less costly ways. But honestly, New Japan World is not very expensive. It's like eight, nine dollars. Uh, eight and some change at last count. So, uh, 999 yen, gentlemen. Right, but right, which foreign, American is like eight seventy four, I, I think, or something like that. When you're foreign, <laughs> that changes because I've had to go up to ten on me before because of the exchange rate, and I've had to be as low as seven something before because of the exchange rate. So it's it's weird. Yeah, that's one of the weird things to me about NJPW World is the fact that the price. Granted, it's not going to be more than a dollar or two, one way or the other. But at the same and time, and also you got to be very careful because it does not do the whole. Oh, you got it on the fifteenth. It's the fifteenth every month. It's always around the first. Mm-hmm. So be careful. If you get it on the twenty fifth, they're going to charge you on the first again. So yeah, just got to be careful with that. It's it's a Japan thing. It's weird. You got to just know uh, know about it. But uh, you know. It, we gotta get. We gotta remember. This is sort of a. This is like the Raw after WrestleMania, but almost like house show version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, you know, I wouldn't. I don't think you come in here expecting the matches to deliver. You're expecting uh, moments, and you do uh, get that. You're building to the next show, which is New Beginning, uh, and all that, and. I don't think uh, we didn't talk about it, but the, when they did the whole rundown of the shows, anything, no, nothing really surprised me there. I think that's sort of everything that we expected. Was that sort of a hint of like what? What was that whole thing with the G one at the end, the final, the final with them hinting? 
Okay, uh, so the last three days of the G1 are going to be in the Nippon Budokan instead of uh, Tokyo Sumo Hall, which is oh, okay. a big deal. Uh, Budokan used to be where All Japan and Noah uh, ran very often. It's sort of their building. Uh, and I don't think it's hosted a wrestling event since uh, Kenta Kobayashi's retirement ceremony back in 2003 at Final Burning. Mm-hmm. But um, it also holds more seats. It, it's a 15,000-seat venue instead of the 11.5 that uh, Tokyo Sumo Hall is. What is – out of curiosity here for perspective here, because you guys mentioned that they put about 43,000 in the dome for Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, seating arrangement for Korokin? Uh, Corkin's attendance is, um, they, like they had seven, I think it's 15 sitting, but you, they have standing room as well. Um, and the total attendance I believe for this show was 1743, uh, which is super no vacancy, all that stuff that, uh, yeah. gets thrown around a lot. So, which is code for, we're going to call the fire marshal. Gotcha. Uh, right. Might as well. Be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know. I, I will say the one area where I have not paid too much attention is the Young Lions because a lot of times I'm having to rush watching these shows in the past and I haven't really – these were like the first two shows I've actually been able to sit down and watch them and not have to like do five other things while I'm trying to watch those two. Uh, so this is the first time I've gotten to really watch the Young Lions in a while. So a lot of these guys other than Oko were kind of like, oh, I have not seen you. Uh, but you had the New Japan dads, Nagata, Nakanishi, Tenzan, and Kojima against Oka, Narita, Umino, and Yagi. Uh, you should probably take this one, folks. You know more about them than I do. Right. Uh, so Oka, of course, still the uh, chosen one, I think, in a lot of different ways, even though uh, Kitamura has definitely gotten over the most out of the current crop. Uh, Oka, of course, trained by Yuji Nagata, chiefly sort of getting the special treatment there and all that as far as who's training him goes. Uh, Shota Amino, of course, is the refer- or the son of referee Red Shoes, uh, who has boundless amounts of charisma, I feel like. And, uh, you he's, know, go ahead. He's the one that Jericho punked out during the match with Omega, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, okay. He's also the more filled out one outside of Oka here. Uh, if you're trying to tell the difference, because Narita and Yage are definitely uh, <laughs> looking like they're going to be junior heavyweights. Uh, th- I like Narita, I think, a bit more than Yage, uh, but they're still very young. They're still early on in the training process. Uh, and I enjoyed this. I thought this was good. You had uh, the young lines doing their usual stuff, you know, getting into the basic stuff, uh, working together, pissing off the dads until they've had enough, and then come in and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> The one that slapped Yuji Nagata and Nagata just gave him a death glare was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon pardon the language here, but Nagata looked at him like, oh, you done fucked up, son. It was, uh, that would be Yage, uh, who very quickly realized he made a mistake. (laughs) And and Nagata had the spinal tap kicks to prove it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You don't piss off Blue Justice. That's not a thing. No, there's there's a long list of guys in pro wrestling who I probably wouldn't want to be on the bad side of, and I, I would imagine that Yuji Nagata would be near the top of that list, right behind like Haku. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't don't attack the never aging man. Don't do it. So uh, 
after this, you had uh, Taichi, Kanemaru, Izuka, Taka, and El Desperado against Liger, Tiger Mask, Kawado, Hanare, and uh, Togi Makabe. The story kind of with these guys is that the young lions have kind of been messing stuff up mm-hmm. for the veterans, and that happens here as well. Of course, Kawado and Hanare are the more uh, two of the more advanced uh, young lions compared to the the other crop. And, you know, it's hard when you have Taichi in this match, so, you know. Hanari might be past Young Lion status now. He's got, he's got, he's moved on from the black tights. He's got some face paint. He's rocking a more sort of tribal New Zealander look. He's, yeah, I was going to say, he's like New Zealand Tatanka. Exactly. Uh, Except, you know, angry. (laughs) I mean, they're trying to run, you know, New Zealand and Australia. You got, you got a crop of New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. In there, so you know, get 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 all tribal. You might get some people uh, very happy with that. All right, this might seem kind of uh, inside baseball to ask, so I'm going to tread lightly here. Um, they talked about the fact that when Kota Ibushi came back to New Japan, he did the Tiger Mask W thing. Correct. I know ACH was doing a Tiger Mask thing for a while in New Japan as well. Do we know who the current Tiger Mask is? That's the same Tiger Mask. So. Is it's Tiger Mask Four still right? This is still Tiger Mask Four. Yeah. Uh, whose age is quickly cutting up with him? His name is uh, Yoshihiro Yamazaki. Okay, because I was curious about that myself. Like when I do the uh, Wrestle Kingdom review on for the uh, for the Rambo, I just mentioned a couple of the people that stood out to me for various reasons here and i mentioned the fact that the tiger mask gimmick is one of legendary lore in new japan and that i knew that abushi and ach were doing stuff with it but i didn't know who was currently portraying it well see abushi was doing a different one with the because of the anime right uh, well, he, he did like tiger mask w right and then right. uh whatever happened with the ach thing did that ever end up going anywhere it was it's, sort of a, a one-off deal to help promote the anime, where he was mm-hmm. the new Black Tiger, essentially. Right. Yeah. He's, okay. He was doing the, the the rival in the anime. Right. And same thing, like, uh, one of the other ones that's in the early part of the anime, Juice Robinson was the, like, big tentacle guy, or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Needs more ACH in general, though. I uh, I wouldn't say no. Yeah, ACH just had a good year last year when he was in New Japan. So. He's great in the Super Junior tournament as well. Yep, he was. That was. I'm reading the. Uh, I'm reading that New Japan book that's on um, Amazon, the 2017 Voices of Wrestling review. Yeah, shout out to and, Voices of Wrestling. Those guys are awesome. Oh, they do so much good stuff with. They're Japan. great. Well, it's this is basically my character introduction in getting into New Japan for this year. Mm-hmm. Like this tells me who people are, what to expect, what to look for as far as the story carryover storylines and stuff. So yeah, once like like Paul just said, shout out to VOW for this year. But um, like I saw some names that I recognized inside of the roster review from last year, and ACH was one of those ones that I really hope comes back this year because I have been a massive fan of his work ever since his days in Anarchy down in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I, the dude's great. He's still working a lot of the independents around here. Uh, still doing Evolve as well, currently stateside. So, Even if he just lost his tag team partner in Evolve? Yeah, yeah. Less, you know, sad times. 
Uh, this match, though, the lots of um, the mass stuff between Despy and Liger and Tiger Mass has sort of become a sticking point here as well, outside of Kawado's over-eagerness to jump into things and sort of get him into trouble early, uh, which, of course, against Suzuki Goon might not be a bad thing because they like to do that, too. Uh, so you have the crazy chaotic brawl at the beginning here. I'm a huge Hanari fan. I really like this kid. I think he's going to go places, uh, even if it might take him a little while to get there, just because I feel like he's sort of been thrown back since that massive ankle injury that he took. So uh, I really hope for great things for this guy. But everybody here, I thought, did their part well, perfectly fine. And, uh, you know, the chaotic brawl was a nice change of pace, you know? Yeah, agreed. And then you have another... uh change of pace here as Kitamura is having a seven match trial series right now and one of these is of course with Jay White who's coming off the big loss he needed a, a recovery here uh, after that and Kitamura gave him all he could handle and uh, more uh, you could uh, see it in Jay White's face having to deal with the big hulking man and <laughs> Yeah, it's it really took a lot for him. He had to get some some anger in there to get at that uh, Saito suplex that he does on uh, Kenny um, Rowan. So I was like, ooh. So, uh, call me crazy if you want to about this, but you know what kind of vibe I actually got from Kenamura here? Hmm. Uh, uh, does the name Daisuke Sakamoto mean anything to anybody? It means a lot to this guy right here, who's a huge uh, Daisuke fan. I kind of Did- see it. I, that's the kind of that's the vibe that I got from Kenamura watching this match here. It's he's going to be able to use his power against guys the size of a Jay White there, but he'll find himself outclassed on the mat, and that's what ended up costing him the match against White. I, I mean, if Katsuya Kitamura turns into the next coming of Daisuke Sekimoto, God help us, uh, because yeah. Daisuke is one of the greatest workers in the world. Uh, I, I really like Kitamura. He, he's got boundless charisma as well. The crowds instantly drew to him, uh, mostly because he's just a giant Japanese man, uh, which, you know, you can never discount in the fact that you don't always get sort of that build on, on, uh, on folks that jump into wrestling in Japan. So that's really cool. He chops harder than anybody I think I've ever seen in my life, which, uh, Jay White smartly avoids in this. And I thought that was well worked. The the other name that came to mind for me was another guy from uh, Big Japan that came over and worked Shikara back when they did their whole uh, talent exchange thing, and that was uh, Yuji Okabayashi. Mm-hmm. Okabayashi has uh, really gone places, too. He's unfortunately injured right now, though. He Didn't he win the Big Japan title and everything? Uh, yeah, he's been the uh, strong champion for them t- once or twice. I can't remember. I know Daisuke's been champion of the strong division twice as well. Yeah, is that like is that like their Haas division? They they started a strong style division, uh, which has very quietly become one of the best things to watch if you're into Puroesu. Um, they're it's it's big guys just murdering each other. It's wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's basically Haas division. Yes. Yeah. But I That's, think it was meant to so you could have the contrast with the death matches and Correct. Correct. Uh, it was it was also an attendance grab too because deathmatch obviously is a is a niche uh thing in wrestling, so opening it up t- as well as adding uh re adding the juniors, which they did last year as well. 
Well, uh, moving on, we finally get a match that does not involve, you know, these guys are former Young Lions, uh, involve current Young Lion Croft in some form. The Elite taking on Shoyo and Cheeseburger. The crowd was really having some fun with the Cheeseburger. Uh they love that man. I'm sure he enjoys coming to Kurrigan every time because I'm he... just shocked every time Cheeseburger comes out in Japan how over this guy is there. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> and then if you put Liger in the same match with him, oh lord. Oh. He is He is the Spike Dudley of New Japan. What the hell? He's a Spike Dudley of Ring of Honor. I don't know how he got so over, but I yeah. love this man. I, I I don't know what it is. <laughs> and this uh, match worked great though because they played off the back injuries, and it was yes. almost like watching a comedy fest going on. Yeah, with uh, these of guys. Of course, Kenny is also all beat up and so on the no DQ aspect of the match yeah. last night as well. Yeah, so, this was definitely a take it easy night for these guys here. But the story that they told during the course of it, specifically with the. Uh, the yo going for the body slam on Matt Jackson uh, collapsing under the weight, and then Matt rolling off, selling his back, and you can hear the crowd laughing as they're selling the back, respective mm-hmm. back injuries. And then, obviously, my favorite part of the entire match was Cheeseburger eating the triple super kick when he thought he was about to fire up on Omega. I mean, I think a small part of Cheeseburger died. Uh, this morning in Kirken Hall because that that was absolutely <laughs> brutal. <laughs> he, he he got the soul kick straight out of him there. He did. Oh, he sure did. Poor guy. But he came back and uh, pulled a Kojima on everybody too. Mm-hmm. That was great. Love that. And then uh, I think my my part too because number Yo comes out like all oh, on fire or whatever, and the fact that like Matt has to tell him like, hey dude, number you got hurt too. Your back is is hurting, and like then he's like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." Let me just it's like, <laughs> oh, it's so great. Like this told look, this is probably gonna just be stupid for some people and and whatever. But if you're just, this is why I think like I can't wait till like Gary. He's gonna have like a big ball with this because this is like right up his his. This is like watching a, a silent film wrestling match. Sometimes just the mannerisms and and everything else is great. Can I? Can I also give credit to Nick Jackson at the very start of the match yes. where they do the bit where they do the bit where Jackson goes down selling the knee and then he crawls over to the corner and Omega and Matt are both like, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. And they drop <laughs> yeah. off the apron. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I even love the, the opening thing where the young bucks, of course, are doing their little bend over flex thing and, and Matt can't do it because his back hurts too much. Yeah. Like it's, just, it's so great the whole way through. Ah, such a, such a wonderful, you know, much a great contrast to the Yano comedy. This was uh, much more thought out yeah, uh, yeah. stuff. And uh, then you have a Bullet Club and Taguchi Japan. This was sort of, this was good. Um, I didn't think it was anything like overly just out of this world or whatever, but it was a good, like, okay, we're back to wrestling now sort of thing. Uh, I the, the post match is, is the big talking point here, so let's go ahead and add that in too. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I do want to just give a quick shout out to Koda for becoming an honorary member of um Taguchi Japan there for a few seconds. The little yeah. hip the little hip swivel hip attack thing kinda <laughs> made me chuckle. <laughs> I, 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 
they were teasing him that he was going to do it. I'm like, he's going to do it. He's done way crazier shit than this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, if a hip attack is all I have to do to get over, then so be it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've wrestled blown-up dolls. Let's go, guys. <laughs> so I, I, I've taken Canadian destroyers from blow-up dolls. Oh. <laughs> God. I've wrestled in pools. Why not? Uh, Lakes, amusement parks. Office buildings. What has he not wrestled in? That's the uh... that's the biggest question of all. <laughs> so after the match, I think this is the biggest part of this whole thing is uh, Cody had made a Finley tap out, and he goes and just starts wailing on uh, Ibushi. Of course, after the match from Wrestle Kingdom, and he's gonna go and was a grab a chair, mm-hmm. and like he's gonna hit. Uh, Ibushi and Kenny Omega comes out to make the save. Oh, oh, Kenny is saving his friend. And this gets Cody hot. He's he, They're pushing and shoving and hitting each other. And uh, Bullet Club has to keep getting involved. And, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, having to, to continue to wonder, hey, what's going on? Is this going to mean something for Bullet Club? And Omega has to... Go in, and uh, he says we need to keep the peace here. We need to, we need to stop fighting, fighting with each other. And he says, Switchblade, like he's gonna be the guy to fix all the problems. And uh, he he gives Jay White a shirt, and uh, they're gonna hug. And then Omega well, just bro- gets to eat an, a Blade Runner instead. Like, well, brothers got a hug. Yeah. They do. Larry is so good at just being very wry in his reviews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where I pulled that from. Because <laughs> as soon as I finished watching the show, I went and I, I read Larry's review for the show. Yeah, just to kind of get some context as well. Uh, well, where does this happen? That's the question. All right, let's let's go back to the conversation that we were starting to have during Wrestle Kingdom, and Paul decided to push it back to here. I didn't feel like Jay Wright, Jay White, Jay Wright, he's the coach for Villanova. Jay White was ready for Tanahashi, and I definitely don't think that he's ready for a program with Omega. Omega is, in my opinion, probably the second or third guy in New Japan right now, whereas Jay White is just now coming out of Young Lions status. All right, but I, I, I do, what I'll I, say I, I don't, is that US I, just, title, I don't see it yet for him. That's fine. That's fine. But we got to remember Omega has the U.S. title. And he already had a match where basically he's kind of doing a similar thing he did with Beretta. Where the match with Beretta was about trying to prove that Beretta is going to be heavyweight. Well, welcome to New Japan, Jay White. I really enjoyed the segment top to bottom. Uh, the Cody Akinney stuff clearly has not gone away, which I greatly appreciate because that sort of got down uh, downplayed near the end of last year. Kenny making the save got one of the biggest pops I might have heard in my lifetime. That crowd absolutely exploded. They want to see Kenny and Coda in any fashion together, no matter where you do it. Uh, but I think they're going to bring it stateside, which has me pretty excited. But th- this 
This was great. I, I love this. I think Jay White really needed this too. It was uh, he got back on track with the win against Kitamura. I thought this was great too. He's he's out to prove that he can do it by himself. He don't need no stupid groups or stables or anything like that. He's a switchblade. I don't know if he's got a chance of beating Kenny, but I think these two can have one heck of a match, and I absolutely think this could be what finally gets the Blade Runner character going, which I think is is maybe more important in hindsight than winning the title. Yeah, because there's a guy that's going to get your character over, or you're going to be able to really grow your character or show what that is. It's against a guy with Kenny Omega that will sell you mm-hmm. blinking. So, you know... I think that that's gonna that's gonna work wonders for Jay White. He's not gonna have to do a lot for Kenny Omega to make it work. Right, right. Okay, uh, but the the issue that I have with that is that you have the guy who loses the IC title match at Wrestle Kingdom immediately being programmed into a feud with the U.S. champion in a company where wins and losses allegedly matter. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, you have that in another title situation as well. So right. To me, this is sort of difficult, too, because we don't really know where the U.S. title is as far as the um, sort of pecking order is, right? Because it's still so new. It hasn't even been around a year yet. Kenny's still your first champion, and he's had a lot of great matches. But uh, if he wasn't wrestling Jericho, I highly doubt it would have co-main evented on Wrestle Kingdom, right? So it, it, it's it's difficult to really peg where this is. I would definitely say it's probably worth more than the Never Openweight title. I don't know if it's worth more than the IC title, though, especially because the IC title for so long has been treated as 1A. It's almost at that same level. Especially now that it looks all shiny. Right. And, and of course, Tanahashi toting it around is, is doing it some favors, too. But Yeah. You know, that's one of my sort of things that bothers me sometimes about uh, New Japan, but also like that it's not always necessarily like so contrived, right? They get to the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though sometimes it's kind of like, okay, well, here I am. I'm going to either whoop you or we're just going to talk about it and you're going to be the challenger now. At least this kind of uh, sort of, well, he got attacked when Kenny Omega is trying to do something nice. I'd be mm-hmm. kind of angry. Uh, right. Right. This kind of comes out of nowhere. I don't think it's so like the one with Suzuki. That one's kind of more where you're going at, where that's more of a bother because he did lose. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one's sort of that's not what we're angling for here. Jay White came out to what Kenny Omega's thinking is okay. Well, yeah, he's gonna join Bullet Club. Why not? You know, Bullet Club's huge. You get a rub just being in this group. And Jay White says, oh, well, screw you. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, what do you expect this to – it's going to go to being a U.S. title match. I, I think a lot of the storyline implications for both Switchblade and, and the IC title situation that we'll talk about here in a second is also probably the overriding factor here And that, for one, this we're still learning what the Switchblade character is. I think that's very much the point here. To me, in the next situation, I feel like the title's almost secondary to what Suzuki's out to prove at times. Yeah, Suzuki's, uh, he's obviously walks on his own time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> never well, really know as, what that man is thinking. <laughs> well, as Paul said earlier, he is Satan. He is Satan. That is true. 
It's totally fine. You need one of those in your. You do. <laughs> um, my curiosity he might be the would ultimate be Satan, but I want to give uh, Larry credit for something else that he said in his review here, and the fact that uh, maybe the Switchblade character is kind of going to Jay White's head a little bit, and that he feels like he doesn't need the Bullet Club to stand out now that he has the new character. You know, it's possible, as as Sean mentioned earlier, some of these characters, they take a while to catch on, uh, Evil being the most recent example. But when they do, it, it works out very well, as Evil has very much shot up the card pretty quickly since uh, since the character sort of caught traction at the end of 2016. So, or eh, beginning of 2016, probably more likely. But, you know, it's 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 been a really enjoyable run to watch him grow. I think Jay White will get there, too. And not everybody benefits from being in a stable, right? Because, you know, you can argue that some of the guys that have been in a stable don't necessarily get that big of a run from it, mm -hmm. right? So perhaps, yeah, maybe it is something about it getting to his head, but Jay White may just want to prove, I don't need to be like Finley and, and be in Taguchi Japan, I don't need to come over here like Sonata and immediately be part of LIJ, which, you know, it's taken a while for Sonata to, to finally uh, get where he is. I think even longer than Evil for, for Sonata. Um, and sometimes you got to be that. That's the thing. Like, New Japan doesn't have a lot of lone wolves because mm -hmm. everybody's in mm -hmm. a freaking stable. Right. So this actually sort of works in that way that you don't have a guy that's immediately willing to just go, Oh, let me join this thing. Right. Cause like even Osprey came and he was before he even stepped foot in new Japan, he was in chaos. Exactly. So I, I think this is actually a kind of nice to see. I mean, I'm willing to give it more of a try to see what they have with Jay White because I haven't seen enough of his Ring of Honor stuff to make to make an opinion about him. And while I was left unimpressed after the match with Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom here, I don't think that that match is a good barometer of where he's going to go. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to give Jay White the opportunity to prove me wrong. But as of right now, I would say that I would consider myself significantly less than impressed. That's fair, but you just said it, right? He wasn't supposed to be impressive in that match. That was Tanahashi whooping him. So, unfortunate. Know. Yeah, unfortunate, but it was what it was. Even some of his young line stuff before he left, when he, he was about to leave, he was starting. You can start seeing that, right? Like, he's going to... Mm -hmm be something it's the thing is like it's also different i think what paul brought up which i think is the most important thing here is that he was a baby face the whole time the fans were behind him they were starting to you know there was starting to be a, a, a support for jy he had like banners and kurkin and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that and he's he's a heel so that's a different that's a whole different ball game as we all know of, of work yeah uh so <clears throat> Never six-man title match, uh, just like we figured, Paul, because this happens all the time. Uh, yep. That it doesn't matter what happens at Wrestle Kingdom with these titles, because the next night, another team has them. And that's what happens. Uh, Bullet Club winds up beating Chaos. Here's a good match. Uh, Beretta takes the pin, which is interesting, considering you Disappointing. Made whole... Yeah. 
Uh, agreed there. Still enjoyed it. Tonga got to look good here, which I always appreciate because the man does not. He gets less love than he deserves. It's true. Uh, which one of them is the really sweary one? Uh, that would be <laughs> uh, Noah. Ouch. How, how can you tell the difference? They all swear a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I the one that isn't Camacho. Okay, oh, that's Tomatonga. Yes. Okay. Uh, good grief! Maybe tone it down just a little bit. I mean, Jesus, dude, go watch different the country last year at Wrestle Kingdom, man. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, it's I think I'm pretty sure that's the promo that Cordell just posted in the uh, W2M group. Oh uh, no! It, it was funny because like that's the way. Uh, Makabe had to learn to talk to them in yeah. English, was cursing at them. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's like, oh, I finally figured out how to communicate with you. Uh, I don't know. Other than the Beretta thing, like, uh, it's, I mean, this is the never open weight six man titles. I mean, this happens. Right. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, this is well worked, I think, for what it is. I think God and Fale worked very well together. Uh, I think the same of the other side, too. And uh, honestly, I think this is just sort of set up that might see Chaos chase the, the six-man titles with some form of Beretta and, and the rest of the group sort of going after him. Yeah, it, it's weird to me so much how they protect Yano. And he's the guy that... He's a comedy wrestler, but he's so protected. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get it either, but he sells he sells merch, you know? I mean... <laughs> yeah, he's the number one producer for a reason, right? Like, it's his gimmick, right? Yeah. I mean, he sells stuff. <laughs> yeah. As long as he's not back bumping on the concrete, I guess we're okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think moving on uh, from that one, you... You had a nice, uh, the ending of uh, Hanson and Roe in New Japan. What you expect is the rumors are flying and pretty much confirmed that they are NXT bound. So uh, Tanahashi, Elgin, Hanson and Roe taking on the big time members of Suzuki Goon, uh, CSJ, Archer, and Harry Smith, and of course Suzuki. This is more also about after the match, uh, too, but I thought, once again, War Machine and Killer Lee Squad uh, got to have some, some cool moments in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they went out there and fr- crushed it. I thought ZSJ looked really good in this as well. Everybody got their stuff in, but the story, of course, is Suzuki torturing Tanahashi, attacking the knee, attacking the arm attacking the knee some more, attacking his knee because he hates him, attacking him because he derives pleasure from making people suffer. And that's what makes Suzuki great. <laughs> Again, Satan. He he is Satan, Harry. If you keep watching, you will learn this. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you know what I've learned in my two nights watching this, uh, this company here? I'm already over the Suzuki goon uh, jump start to the matches. Oh. Get on board, buddy. Everybody is. Yeah, everybody is. It's what they do. Be- 
Because if they do it in one match, okay, maybe, you know, maybe if they mix it in here and there by having them jumpstart the big matches, great and stuff. But if you're doing it in every freaking match, it loses its importance. Oh, it's not an important thing. It's just their gimmick. I I definitely think it's a heel tactic at this point. Suzuki is so purposeful in what all these guys do. He's so purposeful in who joins the group. He he has a plan for everybody from what I've heard and how much uh, what flies with booking with him and not. This is it's it's all deliberate. It has to be because that's I just just how Suzuki is. You just wait till you watch a match where it's one guy and then the other guys have to come in constantly. Yeah, that's worse. <laughs> I will also give credit to uh, to Lance Archer for a good bit of character work by stealing Don Callis's phone as, at the end of the match as well. <laughs> <laughs> that that he made me the chuckle. Pond, you know, before and he gets the phone. I guess that's his new thing. Let me go take something from the outside. Kess came back pissed, guys. That's that's what happened. They got hurt. They're mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't mention there in Wrestle Kingdom. I I enjoyed the uh, Luchador Daryl. Yeah, oh, yes. I, I was gonna mention the fact that Daryl was wearing a mask, but we never touched on it. Yeah. I like Kevin Kelly's bit here. How do we know it was Daryl? He's wearing a mask. <laughs> Apparently, Daryl just became a father as well, so good for him. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's got married. He has kids now. Daryl's living the happy life. Daryl's living that Heath Slater life. I'm, <laughs> he's I'm got glad kids. that well a stuffed Harry. cat has his own storyline <laughs> within the show. Well... The well, best part Sean, is some, like uh, some. Sometimes you just need a little bit of levity. Oh no, that's the best part. Is like Karomu's like whole world crashing down when uh, Fale destroyed Daryl uh, before. Uh, Haroma was Haroma wasn't the only one. Larry was pretty devastated. Uh, the, the, everybody uh, the, was. <laughs> the outcry on Twitter after that match was over in the G one was. Maybe the one of the best reasons and one of the happiest memories I have on Twitter. Fall <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lay became a bigger heel in that moment than he had, I think, in many, many years. The world was against <laughs> him and he ate it up. <laughs> it was it was the double it was the WWE equivalent of Jericho destroying Mitch the plant. Oh Mitch. Rip, Rip Mitch. God, I miss you. <laughs> okay. Paul would not let that go for a long time. It's the saddest day of my life, guys. <laughs> it's great. So, uh, I'm, yeah, Tanahashi I'm thinking, gets good. I'm thinking about making a donation to UNICEF in Mitch's honor. Uh, that's sweet. I'm sure they will totally appreciate that. Uh, I'm never going to complain about a Tanahashi Suzuki match, so... If they make that work, I'm down for that. Okay, but this falls into the same line of thinking for me as we talked about earlier with the Jay White thing. Why mm-hmm. is somebody who lost a match at the biggest show of the year being rewarded with a title match? Because Suzuki this don't give one, a shit. There is that. Uh, he's Satan. He can do what he wants. As far as wrestling continuity goes, it's a little harder to try to justify this one. Other than these guys have a history... To me, this almost feels like you know Suzuki is sensing weakness, jumping at the chance, and is going to capitalize on on Tanahashi's sort of downfall here. And I, I really like that as a story idea. I, it's perfect for both guys. 
that's what he's done like the whole time since he's come back. Like he thought yep. that Okada was the guy to go get when he first mm-hmm, got there, mm-hmm. and he almost got it. And then you that, know, he picked on Goto. The Okada thing was at New Year Dash last year, right? Correct. Suzuki yes. Gun came back from their two-year exile into Pro Wrestling Noah. Yes. Because of the whole them working with Noah slash trying to buy or whatever situation. I remember reading about right, that. Yeah. yeah, they had a majority ownership, I believe. And then they got bought without uh, Kadani knowing, which really pissed yep. them off. So mm-hmm. there went all the talent. But they've been doing really pretty well for themselves. So that's yeah. Noah's attendance is creeping back mm-hmm. up there again, which is great news uh, because they have they have a lot of good talent in there right now. I, I try to watch them when I can. I do miss uh, miss uh, Marfuji and. Why I can't remember his name right now. The other guy that came. I I the, I fell in love with Katsuhiko Nakajima during his yeah, GAC Nak- title run. That guy was oh, that was some great stuff. Yeah, I would make. I I, I really enjoyed Marafuji during his run with Ring of Honor, and then the work that he did with Shikara as well during the King, one of the King of Trios that he came in for. Yeah. That man lit it up in New Japan. The time he was. Around, I still got memories of those knees. Uh, he was dealing to Okada during that title match. Oh, good stuff. I I think Okada's just never been the same. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, all right, let's get to this main event, which I thought was really good. Uh, these guys, every time Chaos and Lij, it's been going on for a long time, but they deliver every single time. Yep. And it's wonderful. Uh, I love the them taking out everybody and then going, Oi! Oh, together, that was uh, <laughs> that was great. Crowd uh, dug it, too. Ghetto's certainly looking a little pudgy, more pudgy than usual. He is he's moving a little slow. He's got all that money he's taken in, you know? Yeah. He, he's life. He's, he's definitely not shorting himself on the fried rice these days. <laughs> no. He is oh, not. Hey. <laughs> he, he was still. Uh, he was still moving around uh, well enough to to juke uh, Hiromu, though. So yeah, yeah. Harry, if if I can't be Patrick, you can't be Gary. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Gary's the only one that kind of gets uh, gets away with that with those. Uh, because I would have called him out right about then. Uh, that's kind of my job. I just get to call Gary out when he says something <laughs> bad. Uh, so anyway, we this sets up a lot of stuff, which is what uh, these main events usually do. And so you get a lot of matches that may happen either at New Beginning or at the uh, Strong Style Evolved uh, show. Uh, you get. Uh, after this, uh, Evil and Goto, which they've had never title matches before, and they were fantastic. So, anytime those two get the hookup, I'm all for that. And you get, um, oh, jeez, uh, Osprey and oh. Hiromu. Mm-hmm. As well. Okada and Sonata. Yep. Yes, Okada and Sonata, those two have also had some fantastic matches as well. And after the match, 
We were wondering where this man was. He was just biding his time, waiting until the end of the show for that exact moment to go attack Naito. Chris Jericho, it was probably one of the weakest beatdowns I think I've seen in a long time, but... Uh, well, it wasn't he really could have a farted on Naito. Though. That crowd popped like nobody's yeah, no, business. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, but I was going to say, I, I don't think it was so much a beatdown as it was meant to set the stage role was to come there because almost immediately after the Jericho attack in the quarter, Naito came firing right back. Mm-hmm. It took him a while, but it almost felt like Jericho just, like, which young lion do I move out of the way so I can get to Naito? Oh, and... It was uh, it was like this long pause before the the Naito attacking him though that was that led that led to an issue for me is that Lij's wide at ringside why are they not the ones getting in the ring to help their leader Hiromu tried at the end I I don't know but that I they think the important the goat Harry yeah exactly I think that's what it was everybody was just in awe of the fact that Jericho was there <laughs> it's... Jericho and Kirk and Hall in 2018 guys. That's, yeah, GDG, that's all you need to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy that that's happening. Uh, and again, it makes sense, right? Because, you know, Naito had a problem with Jericho coming in and all of a sudden getting getting big billing. So Yeah. Well, didn't, uh, didn't Naito take to Twitter to bitch about the fact that Jericho and Omega was being billed as part of a double main event? He sure did. He did not believe it was a double main event. Everybody was coming to see him and Okada. And Jericho was like, well, screw you, biatch. Basically, yes. Jericho gonna Jericho. (laughs) Yeah. But that's also been kind of Naito's thing, right? Is he complains about them deciding to do things that don't benefit him. Right. Right. uh, like the only thing missing is the only thing missing is Damian Sandow asking for spotlight, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that kind of that's kind of how that whole thing with Naito comes off there, and the fact that he's bitching about the fact that Jericho come they brought Jericho over and they were billing it as a double main event there. I mean now we know it was obviously a work mm-hmm. right. due to the fact that that due to the fact that it was to set up something for Jericho and Naito after Wrestle Kingdom. Right. But, um. You would think that from a business perspective, though, Naito would be all for it, at least uh, from a shoot perspective rather than from a work perspective here because of the fact that apparently I saw a stat on um, on the blog of Doom, and I won't say his name because Sean yells when I do, that uh, apparently between January 1st and January 4th, there were 20,000 new subscriptions to New Japan World in order to watch the, uh, the 1-4 Tokyo Dome show. That's awesome. really good. Uh, how many of them stay afterwards is the important part. Cause it's just like WrestleMania, you know. I'm sure that that's this is this is true. The, the the network does get that WrestleMania bump. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it, it, New Japan also gets it uh, during the G1. They get a big bump, and then it's stays mm-hmm. after that. Uh, so I mean, we'll see. But this, I thought this show was pretty good uh, as far as setting up what you want for the foreseeable future. Uh, they have three shows, obviously, that they're trying to set up, not just the regular two. Uh, so there's also that as well. Do you think they do so, Jericho and Naito at uh, a new beginning in Osaka? I wouldn't... 
I wouldn't be surprised to see Jericho Naito at Strong Style Evolved. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it there. I also wouldn't be surprised if they hold it out all the way to April in Sakura Genesis at uh, Ryugoku. I would think it would either be... Well, they're also trying to set up the... Because they have the anniversary show right before the Strong Style Evolved. Well, wouldn't that also depend on Fozzie's touring schedule? Like, when's uh, Sakura Genesis? What day? Uh, Sakura Genesis will be early April. Yeah, Fozzie's back on tour. Fozzie's back on tour in April because there was talk going around that people were expecting Jericho to show up at WrestleMania, but uh, Fozzie's booked in Philadelphia that night. Okay. It's April 1st this year is when uh, Sakura Genesis is. Easter Sunday. Yeah, on Easter. Uh, it, I think they, it would be cool to see a new beginning just because you could say he got to do another New Japan show in Japan. Mm-hmm. But I could also see them trying to, I mean, using Jericho to make sure that you sell at that place is not bad for the Strong Solid Evolved either. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy way to sell the 6,000 so, or so seats they're going to have there. Uh, I, I like the other matches they set up in this too. I don't want to short sell those. Evil Goto is always great. I really liked how they sort of set up Sonata maybe challenging for Okada with Naito just sort of throwing Okada away like he's not good enough anymore, which is wonderful. <laughs> or also just like kind of saying, all right, I'm going to give, you know, Sonata, here you go. Yeah, give the uh, younger brother, in a sense, mm-hmm. the the spotlight. Yeah, I don't think I, – I, like I said when we were discussing the tail end of uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I don't think we've seen the end of Naito and Okada for this calendar year. I think mm-hmm. it's something they probably go back to closer to, like, Dominion. Very possible. Um, you know, I, I don't – I don't know because they were pretty quick last year to capitalize on making trilogies out of everything, and I don't know if they're going to go that direction again since Ghetto – uh, doesn't like to repeat things in a year back-to-back year stuff. So mm-hmm. they might leave it alone for a little bit. Who knows? Very true. I saw something else about the Naito thing that I want to talk to you guys off off air about because I want to get your opinion on it. But it's not uh, not canon to what we've already discussed already since we're about to wrap this up. Okay. Well, let's do that, shall we? Uh. I think like seven and a half, eight is a pretty good barometer for this show. If you're just going on wrestling, maybe it's a little less. But yeah, I think I'm... if you put in everything with the wrestling, yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit on the lower end of that. I think I'm at a seven, but at the same time, that's still an impressive score for a new fan. You know, uh, you're not watching New Year's Dash uh, or New Year Dash or whatever you want to call it for for the wrestling, right? It's it's the night after the biggest show. They're taking a break, uh, and even then, you still got some pretty good wrestling out of the deal. You watch it for the angles, for the moments it's setting up for the beginning of the year, and uh, I think on that note, they definitely hit a lot of boxes, uh, and you could tell the crowd was basically into all the big stuff that you were hoping for. Coda, Coda, Kenny, Cody, all that stuff was wonderful. Lij uh, and Chaos still going at it. Suzuki Gun targeting Tanahashi checks all the marks. I I think this is a really solid show. I, I'm going to go seven and a half. Yeah, that's where I was going as well. Seven and a half is uh, 
you know, you add in the Jericho attacking Naito, uh, <laughs> you know, the, f- actually, I'm going to go an eight because I really, really enjoyed that Young Bucks and uh, Cheeseburger and all that uh, as well. I think that deserves some fun for them really just, okay, let's really go off of what happened yesterday and, and go for it. Um not to mention, you got to see both sides of Kenny Omega tonight. You got to see that glorious, fun-loving, that mm-hmm. fun-loving, good time having. Um, how do I put this politely here? Schmuck that we've grown accustomed to, mm-hmm. and then later on when he came back out to save Cody, you got to see the much more serious, cleaner Kenny Omega. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very, I like that he changed it from the multicolored pants to now he wears the hoodie or whatever when he's not being serious. Mm-hmm. So, good way to, to change it up there, Kenny. So, yeah, that's gonna do it for us talking New Japan. Oh my lord, we talked about it for two hours. So, uh, quick question before we wrap up officially here. Okay. As somebody who does not know the schedule here, and I missed the date on Wrestle Kingdom, I know they aired it. What are the dates for New Beginning? Uh, so so the calendar in January, they'll take a break for a week now. They'll come back with the Fantastica Mania Tour with CMLL, which uh, is going to last. I think they're doing eight shows this year, which the last three are going to be on New Japan World, uh, which are always a bit of fun, sort of a wind-down thing. I believe the first two New Beginning shows in Sapporo are on uh, the weekend of the 27th. So Royal Rumble weekend. I, I think so. All right. Well, the reason yes. I ask is... Because I, I kind of talked to Sean about this before we started the show here, and he told me that the Fantastica Mania shows weren't canon to the New Japan products. So I don't really have to worry about those. And like I've talked about before when we when I filled in with you guys on Wrestling to the Max here, I won't do shows without English commentary for New Japan. So that means my opportunity to watch Fantastica Mania is completely out the door because Kevin Kelly and Don Callis aren't doing that show. Correct. They won't be back until the New Beginning stuff. So that's why I was asking when those next ones were – that way I knew when the next shows to look forward to watching were as far as the whole canon of the New Japan uh, storyline year goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for the information. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, those are English commentary shows. Uh, it's also, this is kind of the earliest they've done them too. Normally they do those and they vote all of the New Beginning is usually in February. So from from the looks of it to me, it's they're running more shows this year in 2018. Hey, I, more product I, for us to talk about. Exactly. I feel like I feel like I remember them having new beginning shows back on my birthday and a couple of years prior, in uh, which it falls in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they would have one, and then they'd have another one like the week after, uh, whatever. So, yeah, you do have the, and they. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Fantastic Manias are the 19th, 21st, and 22nd. Uh, those are all from Kirk and Hall, and you can watch those uh, live on New Japan World, or you can watch them later. And then the 27th and 28th, uh, they're doing the New Beginning in Sapporo. And then they'll we'll, do the New Beginning in Osaka later. Right. Will Strong Style Evolve to be broadcast? That'll be Access, right? It'll be. It should be live on access. I um, I also I think New Japan I don't World get gets it on TV. delay. I was gonna say I don't get access TV over here, so it's it's part of a it's part of a digital tier that I don't have for my cable package. Lucky you! I don't even have it. 
I have to go. Um, I think I'm out of the getting free Sling TVs, so I'll have to figure out something. <laughs> I'll have to wait till it shows yeah, up on New Japan World, probably. Access is on Sling, so if you feel like forking out the the money for that for a month or so. You can do a free trial, too, Harry. Just do it, like, a couple of days before. And then and then cancel it right cancel after? It. Yeah. Cancel I also it. want to say Access TV is on YouTube TV as well. I, I, you might need to check that, though. Well, that would mean having to sign up for YouTube Red, which I'm not sure I want to do. So YouTube TV and YouTube Red are, are separate subscriptions. Yeah. I, oh, they, they are? I think they might yes. also have a free trial on that, too. All right, I'll look into it. Worst case scenario, I mean, there are alternative methods that I'd rather not discuss on air. <laughs> yeah, of course. All true. Uh, all right. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. Uh, now it seems like New Japan is going to do more this year. So if you're a big New Japan fan, I would recommend, of course, the Voices of Wrestling ebook. If even if you watched all of last year, they have essays and uh, even poems and uh, match reviews. Everything is in that book. It's five dollars on Amazon. Uh, you can go on PayHip, I think, and also not pay anything. But mm-hmm. it's worth the five dollars. It is huge. Uh, it's all digital. It's over seven hundred pages. Yeah, it's and it has great art in it too this year. That's something different than they have in the, in that- the past. That Omega, the Omega Terminator illustration right towards the beginning of the book is gorgeous. Mm, the, the, it's art submitted from various people, and it's uh, very well done. Uh, I'll also give a shout out to a couple of people. Uh, one of the, one of these people, or folks, are friends of ours. Uh, the New Japan Purocast is probably the best New Japan podcast. They do it weekly. They talk about New Japan. You know, we try to keep up with all the news and stuff, but when they don't have shows, sometimes we don't talk about it. Those guys find things to talk about. They have Damon has been watching it, I think, just as long as Paul or even longer. Damon's um, a beast. That guy's yeah. incredible. And uh, Colin is uh, great in his own right as well. And, of course, also the Voice of Wrestling uh, flagship. Uh, Joe Lanz is a bit of a, you know, like listening to sports talk radio. Uh, but that dude is on when he when he's on uh, and he knows his shit. And so does Rich Krejci. Uh, both those guys are great. Uh, so and, and there's a lot of different um, New Japan shows now, not just New Japan, but a lot of Japanese uh, wrestling. Uh, the Eastern Lariats around with uh, Striga and Dylan Harris as well. So there's a lot of ways to check out uh, your getting getting your fits with Japanese wrestling now on podcast and and more. So yeah, we'll of course on the website always be doing those round tables for the shows when they show up. And you know, look forward to when it, when Harry's doing these reviews. Uh they may not be coming out like, you know, the day after or whatever, but they'll come out in a pretty close and you'll get a different perspective I, than I think a lot of people were able to give you. Ideally, within a week. That's fine, because you're you're still. It's not like a straight review like Larry's. So no, it's it's not going to be a. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to sit there and play by play break down everything here. Like I said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit of a teaser here for it since Sean mentioned it, and I appreciate that here. Um. The Sean and I talked about this. Uh, Paul, actually, I had the original idea, and Paul and I talked about this. But Sean and I kind of finalized the details for this earlier today. 
uh, we're going to call it the outside looking in, a casual fan's perspective into New Japan. And it's going to be a series of articles about the various shows and stuff there. The, the first one is obviously called Episode 1, Wrestle Kingdom 12. And then it's going to just be me giving kind of a stream of consciousness, thoughts and opinions on what happens on these various shows here, looking at it from a more casual fan's perspective than the guys here on Wrestling to the Max would look at these shows, looking at it from a more casual perspective than a guy like Larry would look at it from his perspective of watching all the New Japan shows and covering them all for 411 or like Sean, Paul and Gary do for Wrestling to the Max here. This is my opportunity to explore more uh, more content in the re- regards to the world of professional wrestling for 2018. And one of the things that I've been saying for years is that I want to give New Japan a, a chance. I just, for various reasons, haven't been able to, do not wish to. I'll be entirely honest with you all right now. Chris Jericho is the reason this column is going to exist. <laughs> Chris Jericho is my favorite wrestler. Chris Jericho has been my favorite wrestler since I got back into wrestling when I was 17 years old. He is the reason that this column exists because he is the reason that I decided to watch Wrestle Kingdom all the way through. Hey, you're not the only one. So, mission accomplished on uh, his end. And uh, good on New Japan for obviously being smart and uh, putting him into that uh, match with Kenny Omega. And, you know, can if... Uh, go ahead. Can I get one more quick plug in here? Yeah. Go for it, dude. All right, cool. Uh, be prepared to listen to me talk uh, Eric Watkins once Buffalo beats Jacksonville this Sunday. Check out <laughs> the kickoff, episode 19, Wednesday night here on the W2M Network. On a totally unrelated note, yeah, that's why you need to check out W2M Network. You get to hear Harry a lot more on the, on the whole on the whole uh, network. So. It's going to be a everywhere. good game. Uh, hopefully. We're hopefully. just hoping – we're hoping Shady can play. We'll see what happens. And uh, just to give the plug, if you, uh, you know, you could be just like Harry and also uh, go join our website, com. Hit that Write For Us link. Send an email if you're interested in writing about whatever it is wrestling-wise or there's other uh, types of content there. You know, it, it doesn't take much. You have a great idea like Harry's. You can wind up on on the side and get great promotion for yourself and uh, to help us out as well. So anyway, we'll be back on the regular Tuesday morning edition of Wrestling to the Max with Gary. I'm sure he will give some thoughts on New Year Dash and we'll talk uh, some ROH TV and everything else that's been going on in uh, wrestling since uh, this show here. And yeah, well, we'll see you later, everybody. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.